you're about to get lucky with the Bare Naked Money podcast, the show that gives you the naked truth about personal finance with your hosts, Josh Shellick and Colin White, portfolio managers with WLWP Wealth Planners, IA Private Wealth. Hello, everyone. Bare Naked Money here. Colin and Josh getting naked as usual. And Colin, you were just telling me about your viewership of Billions last night. What were they launching? Well, it was funny because, you know, again, we were in prepping for this for this podcast and, uh, you know, I'll let the, the, the cat out of the bag. It's, this is the I Told You So podcast. You know, so we're going to revisit some things that make us look smart. Well, there'll be caveats in there. We don't always look smart, but, you know, we'll, we'll be talking about that a little bit. But it was part of what brought it to mind was I was watching an old episode of Billions because I'm way behind. And uh, for those not familiar, it's a HBO uh, special based on a bunch of guys running hedge funds and all of the nefarious things they get into. Uh, but anyway, they, they, the big part of the, the, the story arc was about a SPAC they were trying to launch. And I said, oh, you've got to be kidding. Because SPACs are something, special purpose acquisition corporations that we've commented on in the past. Is that not right, Josh? Yeah, we were able to, so we've done about 50 podcasts now, I think. And we were able to go back through the archives and pull out six or seven points where we've looked smart over the last year and a bit. So <laughs> this is it. This is all those smart moments condensed into one. Yes. Yeah, well, my favorite, you know, going back to the SPAC thing, my favorite SPAC was the Shack SPAC. So. <laughs> and actually, I regret that I didn't look up how the shacks back is done. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, for our listeners, a SPAC is basically it's a blank check fund. It's a pool of money put together for no specific purpose to take advantage of a special opportunity at some point within. I think there's a defined time horizon. You got to put the money to work in two years or something. But it's a kind of a close your eyes and open your mouth kind of investment. Um, you know, you're going to get a big surprise. So they were really, really hot there for a bit. I mean, when Shaq gets involved, Shaquille O'Neal, the basketball player, they they must be a good thing, right, Josh? Who was your most popular SPAC you saw? <laughs> I I don't know. There's been so many that have come across the desk. I don't even know. But so so just to to take it back to what you're talking about, the I told you so thing. So we regularly will raise some red flags when something smells a little fishy. And this podcast is to revisit some of those things that we've raised that, that red flag for over the last year plus and just say, how did we do? How, w- were we right to raise the red flag? Were we wrong? Is the jury still out? So one of them, and, and we'll talk about some that have really played out in our favor, SPACs. And yeah, just, just to elaborate on what you're talking about, th- this is basically you're giving somebody money. And they're telling you that at some point in the future, they're going to take that money and invest it in something. They're not telling you what, they're not telling you how long it's going to be. They're not telling you what industry it's going to be and where this, where they're going to find this company or what they're going to pay for this company. They're just going to tell you that there's going to be a a deal at some point. So I don't know how this makes sense for people, but when money's flowing and money's coming easy, people are willing to, to bet a lot of money on seemingly a little promise. Josh, it's not, you know, you don't want things to make sense. You want things to make dollars. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So did, did these make dollars? Did you find any evidence in, in the wreckage? Well, some of them have, like there's been hundreds or thousands of SPACs over the last couple of years. So yeah, there's, there's some in there that have done okay, but 
So they, as our industry does, once there's something that's hot, they launch a, a product around it and they charge people money to invest in this product. So there have been SPAC ETFs, exchange traded funds that have been launched over the last couple of years. And I looked at a, a what's called a, a passive SPAC ETF. So it doesn't try to pick specific SPACs. That's it's hard to say specific SPACs to invest in. It just kind of invests in all of them. And in the last year, that ETF is down 40%. So yes, the market's down a little bit over that period of time, 5% maybe, but this SPAC ETF is down about 40% over that time frame. And so the, the, the post-merger SPAC, so we mentioned that you're writing somebody a blank check, they're gonna go out and buy some company or make some investment on your behalf at some point in the future. So the ones that have actually gone and made an acquisition of some sort, they're down 65% from their peak last year. That's, that's according to Bloomberg. So sure. Some people have probably made a little bit of money on this, but the, the majority of people have lost money. Well, and as always, the people who made money are going to be the ones that everybody wants to hear about. And so, you know, that, that can give the space a little bit more, more gas to keep going. But, and, and, and I told you, Joshua, I'm going to suffice all of these, you know, proclamations that I told you so with so far, you know, now is there a possible resurgence of SPACs in the future? There could be, but again, you've got to get comfortable with a, sure, I'll give you my money. Let me know if anything happens. Attitude. I can't see a big percentage of the population or a considerable amount of assets being comfortable with that, with that equation. So. Yeah, it's, it's harder when the market is not going well. When things are going well in the market and seems like money's flowing easily, like I said, people are willing to write these checks a lot more, a lot more willing to write it than they would be at a time like this when things are, are a little bit tougher for sure. And now the other thing where people are making money on this stuff is whoever is, is sort of launching that SPAC or running that SPAC, they're what you'd call sort of a general partner. So they're going to get paid when they find that deal and they're going to get paid a percentage of the, the proceeds or whatever that, that go through. So there's people making money off, off this stuff. And when you write those blank checks, you got to keep in mind that people have motives that are, are not necessarily to maximize your dollar longer term. Yeah, no, I mean, they're getting paid to launch these and they're getting paid a fee to run these and they're going to get a pay it, paid a fee on successful completion of these. They're going to get paid. Yeah. So. You know, if there's something left over at the end for you, then that's great. So they're a high trust investment. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Really yeah. Trust, the trust somebody you've never met before with uh, thousands or millions of dollars. Great idea. But the, the next one here, colleges, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this, this one I know is near dear to your heart because you've oh. been, you've been on this ship for, I don't know how many years now, but the, the cannabis sector. Yeah, since there was a ship, I've been on this ship, so I can, then it's in the archives somewhere. I did a cross Canada tour to all our locations at the time, about investing in marijuana and much to everybody's disappointment, I made fun of it because back in the day, you know, when, it, when this launched, it was an idea, marijuana is going to be legal. Therefore you should invest in it. No, 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 no. You want to invest in things that make money and right out of the gate. There was no evidence that there was money to be made. Like there was nobody who could show any credible financial results or any credible financial projections that they were going to make money at this. So on that basis, yeah, I was making fun of it and I've continued to make fun of it. And 
there was there's an ETF and again exchange traded fund that launched at the height of the the mania or close to the height and it went public at ten dollars a unit and it peaked at twenty one or twenty two I think was its its twenty five yeah I was looking at it so it was right around twenty five I think it hit, I don't know if it hit twenty five but it was very very close. Yeah. So again, if you got in and it went up to 25, now the problem is when it did that, you were convinced it was going to 50 and you hung on. And last time I took a look, it was trading at four something. Yeah. So, cause there's, it still has not been to my knowledge. I, I, I keep rather close. Look, there hasn't been a real successful financial story anywhere in the marijuana sector. There's nobody making money at it. And I'll tell you who else is not making money based on anecdotal evidence. Uh, the black market is even making money now because the market's become so crowded. So it's, you know, the whole marijuana sector as a business venture is, I'm not even going to call it dead because again, that sounds too final. There, there may be a way to make money in this in the future, but I, I think I'm going to declare victory on my skepticism over the launch of the marijuana industry and how there's no money to be made during the launch. I'm going to declare it victory, but that's not going to preclude us from seeing somebody enter this space and actually make money at it. What, what I always suspected is at some point when the market gets developed well enough, somebody's going to buy up, I don't know, 50,000 acres in Texas and be, get very efficient at growing marijuana and flood the market with high quality, low cost product and make money at it, well, Amazon it or Walmart it. And, you know, that's when you could be looking at somebody that, Hey, this, this could be an investment, but yeah, I, I'm going to be bold enough to declare victory here because I was mainly making fun of the launch marijuana. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, with uh, that ETF down 50% from where it was five years ago, yes, some people made some money along the way, but I think I think you're you're pretty safe to claim victory on this one. Again, there's probably going to be a company at some point that makes money off of it. It's a commodity product, marijuana, mm -hmm. cannabis. Like, yes, there's different, whatever, I don't know a whole lot about it. There's different strains and different ways to grow it and um, different flavors, if you want to call it that. But at the end of the day, it's a commodity product. And what you see with most commodities is they, they move in cycles and companies will make a lot of money from time to time and then make no money for, for long stretches. You see this in oil, you see this in gold, you see this in nickel, copper, every natural resource that's out there that, that is based off of a commodity. And as you said, at some point, somebody's going to come along and purchase up a whole bunch of land or gobble up all these competitors for pennies on the dollar and build one sort of large consolidated player that does maybe have the scale, does maybe have the capacity to actually churn out some profits from it one day. But even I think the largest player is certainly in Canada is, is Canopy Growth. And last week, their CEO said that he sees a clear path to profit and the stock got crushed. So I don't know. The market's telling you something. Aurora Cannabis was down 40% just last week. In case you're trying to bottom feed on some of the stuff, it's probably worth just letting it play out a little while longer before you even consider it. Well, it's always darkest before daylight, but there's also the expression that's always, it's always darkest just before the light gets shut out forever. So, you know, it's a much version. <laughs> Both and things are in true. To, in, in order to mitigate some of the feedback I know when I get from, from, from people in my world anyway. Uh, there are different strains of cannabis and, you know, it, to say it's a commodity may be a stretch, but they also don't have any pricing power. 
you know, in, yep. in a regulated environment. So I think that's the, the main aspect. There's yeah. Well, there's different types of oil too, but at the end of the day, it's still a commodity. And, and I guess this is what a commodity is, is the market is setting the price for the product. You're not differentiated enough where you can go out there and charge whatever you want for the product or, you know, in, increase your prices in the face of the rest of the market going down. That That's very challenging. Yeah, no, absolutely. I just wanted to stand up for the people who are going to give me feedback on that particular point because I can hear them right now. So you put the next one on the list, Josh, and this is is it's like you know beating up a piece of dirt. I mean, I don't <laughs> think anybody thought this was serious, but you know we we did have our fair share of fun with meme stocks on, over over the last year. Um, are, are we we can't be calling meme stocks dead. I mean. The factory still runs. They still trim the moat. Yeah. Well, I think the the Reddit forum is still up, as far as I know. And some of these stocks, well, one in particular, GameStop, has actually held up pretty well. It's just kind of shocking to me. It's still up 500% or something like that from where it was before this whole mania caught on. But again, as our industry does, once there's a, a marketable product out there, they will create it. And the meme stock ETF is down 50% since it launched. No, no, no. I'm sorry. I didn't read that note. You're kidding me. They've launched an ETF based on memes. Oh yeah. It's actually called meme. That That's the ticker. It's meme. <laughs> oh, a, a little bit of me just died inside, Josh. You, you should know that this was coming. I don't know why this is surprising. I, I, I wake up optimistic that everybody's going to get smarter one day. Do you have an, any idea how much money is in this? Like, is there any idea the size of it? I'll look it up here while we're talking. I, I, did, I was too, too embarrassed or too scared to look. That, that's astounding. And what does it take to qualify as a meme stock? Like, is there a, a meme catalog that they pick from or you know, the meme screen? Is There's it, gotta be something. There's gotta be something. I don't know. Is, Mor is Morningstar launching a meme index? They must be, they must be. Yeah. Well, there, there's an index somewhere. Cause that's how they, that's how they put together these ETFs, right? They track an index of some sort. So. You know, you know who gets paid? The person that came up with the index, the person that launched the ETF. Yeah. And the person who runs the ETF. Yeah. So anyway, down 50%, most of these things have lost a lot of money from their peak. They've lost, uh, probably even a, a whole lot more than that. Um, it's just, we, we made fun of it at the time. It, it's crazy to just go on an internet forum and everybody just bands together and decides that this is what they want to buy. Uh, but it's, uh, it is, that's what happened. So, uh, maybe we'll be smarter next time. I don't know. Well, that, that, that doesn't go in the bucket of investable ideas. So in order for an investable idea to, to make sense, it's going to be investable. There has to be a path that's rational. If you're going to bet on irrationality, then well. I hope you're having fun. Yeah. Now there's a number of these red flags that we've raised over the last little while where I, I think jury's still out. And for me, one of those things is cryptocurrency, Colin. I, I, I think the jury has come back and emphatically said no. Yeah. Again, I think the, the red flags that we've pointed out have kind of a little bit come to fruition. Uh, you know, again, it wasn't a great store of wealth during this pullback. It has not replaced gold. Uh, the hype has proven to be far more than the practical uses of it. And the more I dig and the more I read, 
as to how narrowly held the vast majority of this is, it really does reek of, of, of an old-fashioned Ponzi scheme. And, uh, it, and because of the, the secrecy around it, you can never be sure. And I, I'm sorry, I, I can't buy into something that's this opaque, that there could be nefarious things behind. Um, because again, was a, one of the exchanges came out, Josh, and, and let everybody know that if they actually went bankrupt, that everybody was going to lose their deposit. That was fairly recently. That, well, that's not that's not opaque. That's transparent. They're they're as naked as we are. No, no, that's that particular aspect is is very transparent. But I mean, the whole idea. I mean, that that would be like your bank saying, "Yeah, if we go under, all of your money in the savings account here goes away." Yeah, if you're going to function in a space where that's the reality, I, I can't see that getting a whole lot of main street main street acceptance. Yeah. Well, we've seen a couple go away, ba basically go away. A couple of these coins go away over the last little while. Uh, the Luna and Terra are the names that uh, you'll you'll hear written about out there. So these are cryptocurrencies that basically have gone from 100 to close to zero over the course of a week or two weeks. So that th and this is this is what we've been talking about in terms of the risk with some of this stuff. You just don't know. It's there's no track record. There's no history. There's no proof in the pudding of what this stuff is going to be longer term. So if you're throwing money at at it, your chances of ending up at zero are they're there. They're significant. Well, are those the coins you reference? Are those in the 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 family of stable coins that has been launched? Yeah. So you and I here are you know talking a little bit of. Uh, Nonsense here. We don't really understand everything that's going on here, but yeah, stable coins. So they're supposed to track the value. These ones in particular are supposed to track the value of the US dollar up and down. And they had some decentralized, which is sort of the, the big concept here. These are decentralized. There's there's no there's no influence or um touching of the way that the mechanism works by any individual or outside party or institution. So it's supposed to be, again, totally decentralized. It's all kind of automatic to run on its own, so, which sounds great in principle, but sorry, in, in theory, but when you actually apply it, what we've seen is, yeah, the stuff can still blow up. So they're supposed to be tracking the US dollar sort of one for one or whatever the peg was. And when that broke, when things broke down, the whole thing collapsed. So the whole idea of decentralized being more stable, well, not always. Well, yeah, the whole peg thing, I mean, again, as, as, as soon as the market senses that there's a system in place, somebody's going to trade against you. And, you know, all the way back to, you know, long-term capital management in the 90s, right? There was an arbitrage play. Like they were always, you know, trading on, you know, some kind of arbitrage opportunity, some kind of you know, imbalance in the market. And basically when you peg a currency to the other side, there's going to be an imbalance that you're trying to overcome. And there are going to be sharks out there that are looking for that. And if they sense weakness, they're going to take you down. And, you know, that's why these things are really untenable, especially when there's no oversight and very little transparency as to what's going on. So, no, I think I'm, I'm, I'm going to be bold, Josh. You have this in the serious still category. I think we we're, we're winning this one. Unless there is a new significant iteration in crypto i think we're right i don't i don't think there's anything here to see anybody who makes money is as likely as making money going to vegas maybe i i guess i would just 
I'm hesitant to claim victory or anything, even say that I'm winning right now, because I remember when Bitcoin was 15,000 bucks or something several years ago, we had a little pool at the office and said, what is Bitcoin going to be worth? I think it was three months from that port in time. And I had guessed 3,000 or something like that. And it's 30,000 today, even though it's dropped more than 50% over the last few months, it's still up 30,000. So I'm willing to suspend a claim of, of victory or, or winning at this point. And, and I have said before, and I still do believe that there's going to be some areas in this space that truly turn out to be lucrative and really game-changing. But I just, as you said before, this isn't investable. I don't think this is investable right now because I don't know what those areas are going to be. And uh, I think there's, I don't know how many coins now, 6,000, 7,000 coins. I think most of these are worthless still. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not willing to, to plant my flag anywhere yet. Well, there's an old adage to remember that a decision is right or wrong based on the information available at the time you made the decision. The outcome does not a good, good or bad decision make. So as much as we're prognosticating here, you know, again, there's, there's no information currently available that would lead me to believe this is an investable or, or anything you should have in your portfolio at this moment. So. Yeah. Now this one, I, it's going to trigger me, Colin. So you got to talk about real estate. <laughs> yeah, Josh, you just take a, take a breather, get your stress ball out, whatever it takes. Poor Josh. And again, for those who haven't heard the, I'm not sure what order the podcast will come out, but Josh has posted about uh, his final foray into completing his real estate purchase. So he is a little bit damaged right now. So for those listeners who've been listening for us, you know, sequentially as we got through, we recorded the podcast back in April when Josh was embarking on his, you know, buying of a house. And it seemed that the, the landscape had shifted a little bit because it, it, the numbers that had come out from March were looking very, very strong. But his experience in April seemed to be a little bit different, which is, you know, we commented that, you know, the numbers that get recorded are trailing. Yeah. You don't exist last month, you exist this month. So, you know, we have seen since, you know, since the recording of that podcast, a few signs, uh, I wouldn't call it weakness, but plateauing, uh, there's some of the errors come out of the bubble over the last little bit. And it's been a combination of things. It's been a combination of, you know, people's attitudes maybe are not quite as strong. Interest rates have gone up a little bit. Banks are being a little bit more, uh, concerned about valuations. Uh, so, you know, again, and again, to, 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 to be clear, not to repeat myself over and over and over and over and over again, you know, we're not saying real estate's terrible. We're just kind of poking a little bit of, of, of reality into it's not a sure thing and it's maybe not the best thing and it has weaknesses. So again, buying a house to live in for 20 years, that's, that's a human dream and that's nesting and that's all kinds of wonderful things. Buying a house you want to flip in the next two or three years. There's a whole lot of hair on that right now. There's a whole lot of things that, you know, could make that a little bit challenging and, and surprisingly so, because again, if you're going along behaving as if things are the way they were last March, you're liable to be a little bit surprised with how unsimilar things are. Um, and you know, just be careful, have your eyes open and I'm going to steal part of the other podcast and I'll say it rather than Josh saying it's just so sounds different. Keep in mind, the lender's going to do an appraisal. And just because you're crazy and you're going to move into your dream house and you're willing to pay $5 million for the property, it may only appraise at four. 
you know, so that's going to cause you a problem. And it's also a really good warning indicator that maybe you're being a little bit over enthusiastic and picking up that property. So I think it's, you know, the, the real estate market has started to soften a little bit and where it goes from here, I think is going to really depend on uh, what continues to happen with interest rates for sure. And you know, what people's sentiment is towards things. You know, maybe we all finally have like the the headline from Saturday Night Live that that night where they said that there were zero shares were traded on the S and P five hundred today because everybody finally has what they wanted. So 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 maybe everybody finally has the house they want and it'll all slow down. Yeah, of course. So we talked about you talked about Bitcoin sort of being a store of value, and hasn't really proven to be the case. Uh, it's been just as volatile, if not more, well, well, actually well more volatile than stocks. The new gold, Bitcoin, well, how about the old gold? We've been a little bit cautious on that as well, right, Colin? Well, and that's, and that's a bit more of a moving target because I hear the theories all the time and I've had dozens of people talk to me about how gold's obviously going to $5,000 an ounce and, you know, all these other, you know, big theories. And they're, they, they seem to hold together because they're, they're looking at fiat currencies and monetary policy and, you know, the lack of faith in the system and all the rest of it. Um, at the end of the day, none of that's happened. I mean, the scariest days we've seen on the market, you, you, I watch and I've got gold on my ticker and I watch it. Oh, this would be a day that gold's going to shoot up dramatically. It really hasn't. It, 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 it hasn't, it hasn't done what people told me it was going to do. And it hasn't done what I think people expected it to do. It's held its value. Like it has, you know, it's, it's, it hasn't gone through a precipitous decline, but it's still not back at an all time high, you know, so you're, you're holding on to something that's trading roughly where it was what, what 10 years ago, Josh. Yeah. Yeah. 2011, I was looking at the price chart, hit, hit this price point right around 2011. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, yeah, I would guardedly say that, yeah, it's maybe held up a little bit better over the last year, but for an asset class to only really add value once every 10 years is probably not something you want to have a whole lot of weight in your legs. Like, let's say having that, that one bear in your portfolio that does really well once every seven years. So like, do you, do you really need that around? Yeah. Highly volatile. And as you said, it's flat over the last year and inflation's at the highest point in the last 40 years. So if you think it's really protecting you from inflation, I don't know. It's, it's, it just seems to be the, the, the tie doesn't seem to be as close enough that it would need to be to, to make it super valuable. We have to admit some, some wrong spots as well, Colin. There's lots of them. I'm sure people can find a few more, but for me, the biggest one is, is Tesla. I've been bashing Tesla for five plus years now and look pretty stupid doing it. No, I don't think you look stupid and you know, you can still be right at some point, uh, well, at some point, you can't just say it took so long to get there and I'm, I'm right. You're just wrong, right? This is, this is the thing where they say, well, yeah, I could call a bear market forever a recession every year. At some point, I will be right. But that doesn't mean I, I'm really right. It just means that eventually it's going to happen. And I, if I'm wrong five times out of six and right the sixth time, I can't really claim that as a victory. Let's be real. Well, I'm, I'm in Josh's fan club. I would call you that you're the winner and I'd, I'd give you the, the, the star and everything, you know, in, in, in that circumstance. But no, I think that the, the Tesla thing is, you know, they, they've done the completely improbable and I, I would stand behind, you know, if you had bet on the series of events that it took for them to hit this point, 
I would call you optimistic, you know, because again, there's a bunch of leaps of faith that were taken there and God loved them. They stuck them, they, they landed them. And, you know, it was one of those ideas that was executed well. So, uh, you know, again, congratulations to them. This is funny. One thing that sticks in my crock is, you know, I've, I've, I've heard Mr. Musk and uh, Mr. Bezos comment about, you know, how wonderful it is they've grown their companies because of all the wealth they've created for all of the investors that have invested with them and how many billions of dollars that they've created. Just want to remind Mr. Musk and Mr. Bezos that was normally at the expense of mom and pop shops and other businesses all around the world to say you've created something of nothing is a bit of an exaggeration. You destroyed a lot of other businesses with your success and you know, that's the way the world functions. But you know, I wouldn't call them benevolent creators of wealth, but they have done some neat stuff. Yeah. Congrats to them on that one. I am, uh, you know, like a slight victory of Tesla's down 35% this year, but it's, it's still way up over basically every other time frame. So yeah, it's been, it, it's maybe, can we say it's the exception that kind of proves the rule? Like a lot of this stuff we're we're not saying unequivocally that it's going to blow up and go to zero. I think what, what we're trying to say is you just got to be careful with it because there's a chance. There's a chance that this ends up really, really badly. And as we've said multiple times, it, it's more about hitting for average than hitting for, for home runs, right? If, if you're one out of 10 works out well, and the rest of the nine work out at zero, then you're probably no further ahead. Well, no, again, we've often said the secret to creating wealth is not about hitting the home run. It's about never blowing up, right? It's not about hitting the one right thing. It's about never getting it completely wrong. I mean, there's, there's a principle in, you know, the Zeme's book there, the, uh, the black swan talks about barbell investing. I'll take 90% of your assets, put it on a mattress, take 10% and swing for the fences. And, you know, there's sure, I mean, that's a pretty complicated, you know, difficult way to, to get an average return, but you know, there's, there's some efficacy to, to approaching things that way, but our comments, you know, and we're pretty much in lockstep on this are going to be about avoiding the big blowups. If, if I, if we can, if you as, as an individual can avoid any big blow up in your portfolio. And by blow up, I mean something going to zero permanently or having a permanent impairment, then yeah, you're, you're weighting the averages in your favor. And at the end of the day, that's all we can do is weight the averages in your favor to, to say there's a guaranteed anything you want to guarantee buy a toaster. They come with a new toaster if you need one. So, um, they just don't exist in the marketplace. Not there'll be promises out there. Like, you know, we're going to peg this to the, you know, the relative valuation stuff. There's all kinds of promises out there, but they're fragile and you know, they're not always something you can count on. So looking back at this conversation and all the things that we talked about, what do you think we're most likely looking back on five years from now and saying, oh, remember when we did that? I told you so podcast, damn, that was stupid. <laughs> which, which, which specific investment or asset do you think we're most likely to feel that way about? I, I get there, there's a path forward for Tesla to continue to be, uh, successful and more successful, more revolutionary. I think there's still a path forward for Tesla from this point, but uh, we, we picked some real dregs here. Marijuana could turn the corner, but you know, I wouldn't say we were stupid to say it at this moment in time, but marijuana is something that could turn the corner. It could become an amazing business at some point in the future. If there's a revolutionary provider out there. Uh, I hope meme stocks are dead. I hope SPACs, SPACs are too 
typical, too too specific to a point in time. I think those are dead. Crypto may still be around, and that would surprise me. Uh, if, if, if way. You said it would surprise you if crypto's around? In any meaningful way. Like if okay. we're still talking about it as an alternative. I'm, okay. I'm not sure how long the alternative bandwagon can run because right now everybody's it's alternative. It's like if you wake up 12 years from now, it's still the alternative to nothing. You, you at least have to change. I would hope you'd have to change your story. Yeah. See, I think that's the one for me, the one bucket where I think there, there's going to be something that comes out of there that's a massive win, I think, out of crypto. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know what it's going to be, but I, I think we're going to look back in five years from now and say like, you know, that was, that was an awesome one. Like kind of the Amazon emerging from the tech bubble. Like, yeah, you're going to have hundreds that just blow up and end up at zero, but something's going to emerge as sort of a real player. I think it's more likely it's going to be like music streaming came out of Napster. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's, it, you know, the original company that launched it was, well, that was a crime. Uh, but the underlying technology actually revolutionized the industry. Yeah. So, and and now you have Spotify, right? So, yeah. and, and that's, that's a multi-billion dollar company. So I, I think something like that's going to happen. I just, like I said, I, I, it's not investable at this point. Yeah. In our humble, well, can we say humble opinion, Josh? Or not, not on this opinion? podcast. It's not that humble. It's something <laughs> humble, I guess. <laughs> The I told the humble I told you so podcast. I don't know if that were that works or not. I, I told you so brackets so far. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Well, thanks everybody for tuning into the latest edition of the Bare Naked Money Podcast. As always, we are looking for feedback. If there's something you want to hear about, please let us know. Uh, Josh and I are pretty much willing to tackle anything in the financial space, and if we're not, we'll find somebody on the team who is willing to tackle whatever you bring forward. So. We'd be fine with any kind of suggestion you want to bring forward. Josh, you have anything you want to ask our audience? Just don't ask us to do 30 minutes on marijuana stocks or SPACs. That's all I ask. All right, there you go. It's been recorded. Thanks, Josh. This information has been prepared by White LeBlanc Wealth Planners, who is a portfolio manager for IA Private Wealth. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the portfolio manager only and do not necessarily reflect those of IA Private Wealth, Inc. IA Private Wealth, Inc. is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. IA Private Wealth is a trademark and business name under which IA Private Wealth, Inc. operates. We've noticed something. It seems there are a lot of people who would rather try to figure out their lives with an online calculator than air your finances to a human. Stop doing that. You need to talk to someone who can help direct you, tell you where to start with what you've got to make the biggest impact on your future. You can't figure that out at doihaveenoughcash.com, but you can figure it out by chatting with us. Call us. It'll be okay. You'll see. Content of this presentation, including facts, views, opinions, recommendations, descriptions of, or references to products or securities, is not to be used or construed as investment advice, as an offer to sell, or the solicitation of an offer to buy, or an endorsement, recommendation, or sponsorship of any entity or security cited.
Although we endeavor to ensure its accuracy and completeness, we assume no responsibility for any reliance upon it. This should not be construed to be legal or tax advice, as every client situation is different. This podcast has been prepared for information purposes only. The tax information provided in this podcast is general in nature, and each client should consult with their own tax advisor, accountant, and lawyer before pursuing any strategy described herein, as each client's individual circumstances are unique. We've endeavored to ensure the accuracy of the information provided at the time that it was written. However, should the information in this podcast be incorrect or incomplete, or should the law or its interpretation change after the date of this document, the advice provided may be incorrect or inappropriate. There should be no expectation that the information will be updated, supplemented, or revised, whether as a result of new information, changing circumstances, future events, or otherwise. We are not responsible for errors contained in this podcast or to anyone who relies on the information contained in this podcast. Please consult your own legal and tax advisor.